welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to entangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl Kate here, and we have another episode of the Heart of Dating podcast In the thick of season 10, where we are talking all about sex, we are debunking unhealthy narratives, we're talking about healthy expectations, how to have a healthy sexual ethic that's rooted in godliness and the word of God. And, you know, we're just going there in so many different ways. If you missed last week's episode, I highly encourage you to check it out. It's all about marital consent and why that is so important. And it's not often talked about, okay? And it really needs to be talked about. Uh, And today we are so excited because we are debunking a bunch of myths today with our dear friends, Dave and Ashley Willis. We love Dave and Ashley. They are, we're just like super fans of Dave and Ashley. They're the real deal and incredible couple and they love talking about sex. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Their relationship began when they met in the fall of 1999 at Georgetown College, a small Christian school in Kentucky. They met in an acting class, quickly became friends, and started dating the next semester. They were engaged within a year and got married the week after Dave's graduation. They were young, broke, but so in love. Ah. (laughs) The first years of their marriage were just as wonderful as they were challenging. They quickly realized that both of them had differing expectations that impacted the way they viewed their relationship. They spent 13 years in full-time church ministry before joining the XO Marriage Team to build stronger, Christ-centered marriages. Dave and Ashley now host the Naked Marriage Podcast and regularly create new marriage resources. They have authored several books, including Naked and Healthy, Uncover the Lifestyle Your Mind, Body, Spirit, and Marriage Need. Dave and Ashley have been married now for over 20 years, have four sons, and live near Augusta, Georgia. When they're not recording new episodes of the Naked Marriage Podcast, speaking at an XO event, writing, or planning their next project, they love hanging out with their four awesome boys, watching old episodes of The Office, and playing fetch with Chi-Chi, their Chiweenie. <laughs> they love Jesus, family traveling, meeting people, long walks, Mexican food, and laughing. You guys, this conversation with Dave and Ashley is so rich. We cover a ton of myths, like do women actually enjoy sex? Uh, or not uh, on your wedding night? Is it going to be mind blowing? Uh, can you turn it on after turning it off for so long? Sex is always going to be super sexy and fun, and you're just uh, always going to feel in the mood once you've waited for so long. We also uncovered the narrative of our wives obligated to have sex with their husbands. So we go there in so many different ways with Dave and Ashley, and I just really, really, really appreciate them and love the work that they do over uh, at EXO and on the Naked Marriage Podcast. And guys, guess what? We're just so happy to have you here listening to this series. Uh, This has been so much fun to dive in to 
these topics and to have you guys listen and share it with people. So if you could please keep doing that, we would really appreciate it. We want more people to hear the content that we're sharing on this season. Also, if you do us a favor and give us a five-star review on iTunes, uh, that would mean a lot or whatever review I guess you want to leave, but five-star obviously helps us. It means the most. So you can rank us and write a review and that would mean so much. It really helps this podcast to get featured more on Apple Podcasts, which really is the only way that podcasts continue to grow between that and you guys sharing it. So both those things really mean a lot to us. All right, guys, we love you. And without further ado, here's our episode today with Dave and Ashley Willis. All right, guys, we're so excited to have Dave and Ashley Willis on the show today. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Oh, it's awesome to be here. So thanks, JJ and Kate, for having us. We love you guys. Yes. We can't wait to hang out all together in person, real talk. I like can't wait for that day because we've been emailing back and forth and we just love you guys. We're for you guys. We're so pumped. I know we look at you guys and just to be transparent, you guys are a couple that we would love to emulate. Yeah, uh, You guys are full of wisdom, full of guidance, and you guys are just so kind and vulnerable in the way you guys even speak to us off camera. So we really yeah. respect you. And I think the singles here today are really going to love what you guys have to say. So you guys know we're in a season on sex. Okay. And Talking about sex for singles, obviously without all the expletives and all that stuff, we're talking about just how to really prepare themselves for a healthy, godly sex life and work through all these nuances and all the different things. There's a lot of thoughts out there and not a lot of clarity on what to expect and how to best prepare yourself as a single person, uh, as well as debunking a bunch of shame in the process and from different narratives that people used to believe um, or still believe to this day. And so you guys do an incredible job. You work alongside XO and do incredible work with them. And then you guys also have this amazing podcast, the Naked Marriage Podcast, which is incredible. And also you guys already lead in so much vulnerability, which is why we also love you guys so much. So props on your insane podcast. You guys have I mean, we like dream to be uh, as big of a podcast as you guys are. So first of all, before we dive in, tell us about that. I just want to say thank you for your kind words and we're honored and we just, we love what you were doing and we commend you and all that you are doing to reach so many people. And I'm telling you, you're, you're the Heart of Dating podcast is reaching so many people. We hear from those people yeah, and um, you're doing, you know, God is amazing. using you in an incredible way, but you're asking about the Naked Marriage podcast. You know, it's, um, it's been so fun. Like we've really you know, it's like you put something out there, you guys know how this is and you just hope it's helpful and you hope it, it's helping somebody. And, um, probably our favorite part of our job, um, is, is to hear from people that it means something that it's helped their marriage. And because that's why we do what we do, you know? And so we, we enjoy it. We love that we get to do it together. It's really fun. It is yeah. fun. I, I love that you guys do it together too. And talk about these nuanced subjects. Just fun, right, baby? Yeah, it is. I mean, Kate and I were at dinner last night. You know, we cooked a home cooked meal and we were like, it's kind of funny that we don't come home at 6 p.m. And we're like, how's your day? Because we just saw each other all day long. <laughs> Working together. <laughs> like, we're like, true, oh, true. Oh, it's, yeah. it's great. It's fun. It is fun. And lots of opportunities to practice what we preach. So, um, let's go ahead and get started. I mean, yeah. for a background, as you guys are listening and have heard in the introduction, mm -hmm. Dave and Ashley have seen a lot of married couples. That's right. And they were so excited to do this episode today because it was basically an opportunity 
to talk to these couples as singles, right? What do they wish they could go back in time and tell each of these couples as a single? So that's what brought us here today regarding the topic of sex. So do you want to go ahead and ask the first yeah, question? Yeah, so we're going to debunk some myths today, you guys. Are you ready to myth bust with us today? <laughs> yes, I'm, yes. I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> let's go. I feel like I'm the Ghostbusters or something. I don't know, like debunking stuff. Okay, so let's debunk this first myth. There is this myth that for the singles listening that they wait to have sex and when they finally get to have sex, sex will always be amazing. So they're waiting, they're waiting, and then finally it's their honeymoon night and from that point forward, always and forever, sex is going to be the best thing ever because they waited. And so it's basically the assumption that you know, if you hold out, if you do remain abstinent, that God will bless you with the most hot sex life in the entire world. And, you know, I think some of the issue with this, which I'll let you guys speak to more, is from a lot of married couples that we've talked to and you guys have talked to way more, you know, sometimes this sets us up for some unrealistic expectations. And for the reality is for many people, it can be especially in the beginning, uncomfortable, even painful, and can lead to shame if it's not the most amazing thing they've ever experienced. So what have you guys seen? How can we debunk this myth while still encouraging singles to, yes, hold on to, to waiting till marriage? There's a beauty to that. But still know that the reason you're doing that isn't just so you can have this hot, amazing sex life. Yeah, that is, yeah. that's so good. You want to start, sweetie? Oh, I mean, definitely. I, I feel like this has been perpetuated, especially maybe in youth groups that were well-meaning just to yeah. say like, hold on, you know, that, you know, meaning well saying like there's, it's worth the wait, you know, that's kind of been this narrative, which I think it is. I mean, obviously it's worth waiting for, you know, the person that you marry, obviously, but yeah. I think that there is, there was this assumption like, you know, and if you wait, God will bless you in this specific way. And that specific way is you're going to all, you're going to all of a sudden, even though this is your first time having sex, you're going to be a sex God and sex goddess. You're going to know exactly what your partner likes and dislikes. It's just not going to be awkward at all. It's just going to be bliss right from the get go. And then, like you said, it's just always going to be that way. And I'm telling you guys, uh, it's just so far from the truth because I mean, if you, even if you just look at this, just just looking at what you're doing, you know, anytime you do something for the first time and here you're talking about sex, this amazing union of two people with their bodies, it's body, mind, and spirit. And I mean, of course that's going to be, it, it's, it's going to be, you know, probably awkward at first because you've never done this, but it's also, you know, you're getting to know each other. I feel like there's a long period of time where it's, it's kind of this special dance. We are getting to know what each other likes and dislikes, but then there's these things that people don't talk about too. And I'm just going to go there. Cause I know you guys, you guys want us to go yes. there, right? Okay. Yeah, go so there. We talked to many couples over the years. And I think sometimes there's this uh, condition called vaginismus and you guys may have heard of it, but it's, it's where basically some women, and oftentimes they are women who have waited, not always, but they, it's kind of tied, it's mind and body. They experience something where uh, sex is extremely painful and those muscles kind of work, you know, the, the pelvic floor muscles work in such a way that the woman cannot, can't enjoy sex. And we've talked to multiple couples where this um, has been their experience. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, God. I promise to wait for my spouse. I did it. It was hard, but I waited. Where are you? Why are you punishing me? And then people have like a crisis of faith and they think, you know, why is it? I mean, right, sweetie, we, you can speak more on this too, but 
we've had to talk people through this because again, I think it's this unspoken um, deal we think we've made with God that mm-hmm. just because we've waited, we won't have any trials to overcome. But vaginismus is just one of many things. You know, there's a lot of mental stuff we have to overcome, um, you know, when it comes to sex. But I think that it's important that we're we're not over here trying to make deals with God because that's not what we're called to do. Right. Yeah. It's just just being willing to say, I know that this is God's best for me, mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm waiting to honor him, to honor my future spouse, even if maybe even if I've made mistakes in the past, that I'm making this new commitment, this fresh commitment right. to say, you know, I'm gonna choose to live abstinent. And it's not it's not to make a deal with God, it's just to obey him. And it's out of love for him, knowing that when he asks us to do something, it's for our best. And then to work through, you know, the healing of maybe wounds you do have from past choices sure. or even uh, if things have been inflicted upon you, you know, mm-hmm. in, in those horrible situations where abuse has been involved to, yeah. to do the the work to, to heal uh, and get your heart whole and to, and to let God, you know, really, really work in those areas. And then when you get to that wedding day and you get to that honeymoon, uh, yeah, I mean, enjoy sex. It is awesome. It is worth the wait, but you're not going to have the best sex of your life on your honeymoon. Right. You're going to, you're going to start the process of really getting to know each other. And yeah, that part's fun too. The learning is fun too. But um, over time, the, the the trust and the comfort that you build with one another, the way that you, um, the way that you learn, like Ashley kind of referred to it as a dance, you know, nobody's great at a dance on their first lesson, but over time, when you've been dancing with the same partner, uh, you really, you really can enjoy it in new ways over time. And so just, just know that that you take the pressure off of feeling like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna wait, and then it's gonna be it's gonna be perfect because it's gonna take work, and yeah. it's a fun kind of work, but yeah. it's gonna take <laughs> it's gonna take work, and that's okay. And I just want to say too, real quick before we move on, the flip side of that. So there's like people who've waited who have this expectation of God keeping their deal with them and giving them this perfect mm-hmm. sex life, but the flip side of that is people who maybe end up not waiting feeling like that their sex life is doomed. And we've talked to right. couples where like I have I have a dear friend of mine uh kind of in this hard part of their marriage and really she said you know sex has always been something where her husband has a much higher libido than her but she does it you know because she wants to serve her husband in that way but she said I just don't think I'm ever going to fully enjoy sex because I didn't wait. She's like it's essentially God's punishment to me. Yeah. And I yeah. had to look at her and I was like whoa 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 like this is bad theology, you know. Yeah. Th- this isn't true at all. I mean, first of all, you know, all of us make mistakes. None of us are perfect and God forgives us. And she had repented about that a long time ago. And it doesn't mean just because, you know, you had sex before marriage that you're absolutely doomed. I think that, you know, anytime we, we you know, God wants us to come to him and surrender that to him and recorrect, but we're not doomed. And I think that um, there are are a lot of couples that maybe they've not verbalized it like my friend did, but like they have thought maybe the singles listening to this have thought to themselves, right. well, I've, I've totally ruined it. I guess I'm never going to really find that perfect person or have that perfect sex life or have any, you know, an enjoyable sex life because I've just completely derailed my life. And I just want to be the first to say that's just not true. And I just don't want, you know, people to continue believing those lies because they really, I think we do bring those things into the marriage and then really what happens is it's this self-fulfilling prophecy where we kind of cut ourselves off from yeah. really even enjoying sex and really even totally putting ourselves out there with our spouse and being vulnerable and um, being willing to, you know, trust is a huge part of sex and being willing to trust kind of our heart and um, really all of it, you know, when it comes to sex with our spouse. And so I think it's really important that we 
before we enter into marriage, uh, that we think about, well, what are those, those things that we are believing? What are those things running through our mind, you know, kind of, um, expectations, deals we've made with God and really talk about those things. Mm-hmm. You know, something you're bringing up, cause this was another myth I wanted to debunk and you already did it, which is so great that if you've made mistakes, then your sex life is doomed in marriage. And that was my story. I've made my people know my story that I, had a sexual past before JJ and I got married. And I will just say and add to that, and maybe you guys have experience of hearing this as well, at least in the single world, what we see and what JJ and I have talked about before is that idea is also perpetuated sometimes with people that you date. So for example, some of my story is that I had a past and then I recommitted myself to wait till marriage. And I actually had healed from a lot of my past shame, but then I dated somebody in my past who found out about my past and was destroyed Mm. and couldn't look at me the same. And it really did deeply impact our relationship. And he wanted to process it with me over and over. And because of that, it like the shame started coming back. I was like, I thought I had really healed and processed this. And now because you're having a problem dealing with it, which that's so he could, he needed to deal with that, in my opinion, elsewhere, outside of talking with me about it, because it was just like me. I started mm-hmm. questioning myself over and over. But basically what I'm trying to say is that for people who are waiting because he was waiting and had never had sex before, um, for people who are waiting, there's sometimes this idea of, well, I can only be with somebody else who's also waiting and because that will equal best sex in marriage. Right. If I am with someone who has a sexual past, it's never going to be amazing even when I marry them because of their past, which I believe is a complete lie. JJ and I can talk about that and have that that is a complete lie from our experience. But that is something that is being perpetuated as well, where we see people that will eliminate people just because they have a sexual past and like, no, I won't even consider them. I will only date virgins. Like I will only date virgins. And that's so challenging. You could see me get heated, you know? (laughs) Yeah. We we have to, we have to give that grace to ourselves and we have to extend that grace to other people because whoever you're going to marry, there's going to be a lot of grace that's required, obviously throughout Mm -hmm. your marriage for, for, you're going to hurt each other daily without even meaning to yes. sometimes. And yeah. so if you can't even extend grace to someone for things they did before they even knew you, then you're really bringing a lot of baggage onto yourself. I mean, you're bringing a lot of, that's just, that's a lot. When you've got these standards for somebody else to live up to um, that, you know, that uh, it's just not, it's not practical. It's not healthy. Right. And like mm-hmm. you said, Kate, it, it brings all this unnecessary shame. So, so yeah, regardless of what your past has been, regardless of what your your future spouse's past has been um, every couple committed to Christ, committed to each other can have an amazing sex life, yes. period. Amen. It's so good. And, you know, we've gone in depth on that subject, just the the degree of self-righteousness, you know, when you look at somebody. And at this point, what I'm sure you guys have seen a lot is for me, even though I didn't have an external colorful past, I absolutely like every man who's walked this earth, had an internal one, especially, you know, with 10 years of pornography use. And I love how Jesus set the tone so clearly. If you lessen your heart, you're committing adultery. So even though it's not quite as external, you're still committing the same degree of sin every single time, right? So um, it's so good. And what I love about what you guys said is, and what we're basically normalizing is that sex is 
should be awkward. Sex should be very foreign and new, right? Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah. Right. So on that note, I mean, I definitely see, and what what I'm hearing is we should frame amazing, great sex on your honeymoon is rare, and we celebrate that. Yeah. But that's an anomaly. Yeah. Would you say, would you say that's correct? One hundred percent. Yeah. And I yeah. would even say. You know, some couples may have that that first experience is really great and maybe not as painful and not as awkward, but then maybe they're disillusioned because then the subsequent experiences oh, aren't as on par. Yeah. And and that is that's pretty par for the course too. And I think that yeah. I love how you guys, you know, it's bursting a bubble, I guess, innocence, but it, it needs to happen because then we don't set ourselves up for major disappointment. And and you know, and, and it's not even just it's well beyond being disappointed. I think that when we have these crazy expectations for it to just be perfect right out of the gate every single time we really you know there's there's such a you see partners almost going against one another too like yeah you know mm-hmm. why are you feeling this way and, and then it gets personal too it's like oh am i not good yeah. at this like no you, you know you got to be so full of grace and so encouraging to one another yes yes because uh, yes. it's such a vulnerable thing i mean Very. so be so encouraging and speak life to each other and and just know like it's gonna you're gonna get better at it you're going to get better. And then they're going to be, then life will throw you a curveball, and you might have to deal with, with injury or illness or, mm-hmm. um, you know, hormone la- changes, hormone changes, loud kids beating at the door when you start having kids and all that. Yeah. And every season of a marriage and your sex life specifically is going to have unique blessings to it, but also unique challenges. And you just, yeah. you just roll with it. It's yeah. so good. I love how you guys just describe sex as a journey in that sense. It's a yeah. story and a journey. Um, for me, it's almost like golf, you know, like you pick up the club and you're going to not be good, right? But um, we hear a lot of things about sex, obviously growing up, especially if you have a church background. I think one thing I heard a lot that I would love to ask you is, in general, women don't really like sex and really it's for men and to serve men and a good wife subjugates and subjects herself to the man for his delight. Would you guys say that's a, a pretty prominent myth that you guys run into? And and how would you guys respond to that? Oh, yeah, we definitely. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, first off, it is a myth. It's for a sure. big myth. Big myth. God <laughs> created sex to be yeah. enjoyed by both. And and, and in fact, um, like it just just to get kind of like biological, neurological, like the woman, like her pleasure centers actually have more, more neurons, more so, cells yeah. like so uh, than than the, the husband's mm-hmm. does. So. Um, it's yeah. made it's it's made for we're both designed for pleasure within yes. the covenant of sex so mm-hmm. so we need to but but we're also wired up differently to where you know just how the process of of male man getting in the mood versus a woman and usually there's a time difference there you know guys don't tend to need as much foreplay all those kinds of things so really god wired us up differently so that we would serve one another right but mm. in that serving one another it should be so enjoyable for both and i think that myth of saying it's just for men or, or women aren't supposed to like it it's put this kind of this shame on women mm-hmm. for feeling guilty about liking it or saying well i guess i just have to do this and not enjoy it and then they're robbed their husbands robbed everybody's robbed of the the enjoyment that God intended when both spouses together are enjoying that pleasure the way God intended. There's kind of this undercurrent uh, narratives 
if a woman does really desire sex, then there's something weird about her. Like we've right. had, you know, there's been husband, if they, maybe they even have a libido that's higher than husbands and they think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you. And what we've seen in the work we do is it really isn't one size fits all. I mean, sometimes the wife has a higher libido. Sometimes the husband does. Very rarely do couples each have the exact same libido in the exact same season. And I will say too, we've talked to a lot of couples where, you know, maybe early on in the marriage, maybe the guy had, you know, higher libido, but then he's experiencing some hormonal issue issues and his libido goes down a little and the woman's all of a sudden is higher. And so again, just like Dave was saying, we've got to work together. We have to talk about these things. We have to be real about these things. We have to serve one another in this way. But I also want to talk about uh, JJ, what you were referencing with the woman almost just being, um, you know, having sex. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you guys, there's been a lot written about this and there's been, um, I don't know. It, it's kind of a, it can be crazy out there. there. There's been even some anger with this, obviously. And there should be, you know, like that a woman, that her only role is just to fulfill the man's, you know, desire anytime of day, you know, regardless of how she feels. That's a very dangerous place in, to in be. In our marriage, it's backwards. It actually treats me like a sex object. This is not true. <laughs> and, and I have to tell her, I have feelings. I'm not just a piece of meat. Over oh, I want, my goodness. Rom- I want hey. to be held. I want romance. But she, but she, she wants it. She this gets is not true. aggressive and I am not. I am. I, I'm just. She's a joke. I'm saying this for. So pray, pray for me. No, oh my it's, not, it's not like that at all. Well, it's really, if it's happening on, yeah, right. <laughs> but I will say, you know, this. I do feel like there are a lot of women that keep themselves because they've been told this, like you said, JJ. They've been told this over and over again. Women don't really want sex. It's really for the man, and so they really keep themselves from getting involved emotionally uh, into sex. They kind of keep that part of mm. themselves off and really just let it be an act, like it's a quickie for him, or it's a, mm-hmm. it's just this thing to meet his needs and to move on. And really, we end up cutting ourselves off from the the multifaceted experience that sex is supposed to be for husband and wife. It's to, you know, you're coming together as husband and wife, celebrating the love that you have and it's spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional. And it's, it's just, there's so much going on. And we, we, that's the goal that the goal is to experience it in that way. And it to be this beautiful thing that God created for marriage. And so it is not supposed to just be duty sex. Like there's a time where maybe one of you is really feeling it and the other isn't quite, you know, like there's that really intense need. The other isn't quite there yet. And maybe you do have a quickie when you're married that there's a place for that, but that cannot be the go-to that's unhealthy when that's the constant go-to. And, you know, I know Dave was joking earlier about, you know, him, um, being on call for me or whatever. I do think that this can, this can be flipped. I do think sometimes maybe there is, you know, a husband who maybe doesn't have quite the libido for, you know, compared to his wife. And he feels like, well, I'm just fulfilling her needs. And I would just encourage any couple in that dynamic to really slow down and don't let sex just be this act. Let it be this beautiful time for you all to enjoy each other. And and really, a lot of a lot of what has to do with great sex is everything outside of the bedroom. It's all the conversations you're having. Mm-hmm. It's it's the non sexual touch. Yeah. It's um, thinking about each other, you know, and, and how much you love each other. And there's so much that goes into it. And so um, what does that mean for singles? I just would say again, it comes down to expectations of knowing that. Uh, neither one of you just needs to be this, you know, uh, person who's just kind of doing a duty. It's really about coming together. And uh, I've heard people call it a mingling of souls. And I love that. And I I think Mm -hmm. that that's truly how God designed it to be pleasurable for both. 
Yeah. It's so good. I completely agree. And you know what frustrates me so much with that narrative of like women are on call for sex is it for for my for my story, like I have been in abusive situations and, you know, it kind of perpetuates that same narrative of like, hey, you need to do this for him, even though you don't want to, even though you want to say no. Like the reality is you can say no. You can say, no, I don't want to. And like, no, I'm not just doing this whenever you want to. Like there, you can have a voice. And especially I think for women who have either been in abusive situations or that's been a narrative they've received, I think it just needs to be said that you do have a voice. And this was designed for you to also experience the fullness of pleasure. It was not just designed for the man, like you guys said. And I think one other thing I'd love to just touch on here is especially and and men are not nearly the only ones addicted to pornography women are too especially at a much higher rate these days than ever before but for the man who potentially has given up pornography or has been on that struggle for a while i've heard as times there's a narrative that exists that like well i'm giving this up so now i'm looking to you to fulfill that every immediate pleasure that i had that i used to get from looking at yeah. pornography. Dave, do you want to tackle that one? Is that where this kind of entitled attitude towards sex comes from? I, I think that great question. porn is a huge part of the problem. I mean, even like leading up to porn, just kind of the entertainment industry, the way that sex is depicted in pop culture is is so unrealistic um, most of the time that it's just setting everybody. If that's, if that's our tutorial for what sex is supposed to be, then everybody's just going to be set up for a lot of frustration and confusion. And then porn, of course, is is the worst culprit because um, it 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 uh it removes. Like I heard this this quote about porn. It said, you know, the problem with porn is that it removes the the, the human dimension from it. You know, people are just reduced to objects, and so the problem with porn isn't that it shows too much of someone; it actually shows too little. Mm, yeah. mm. And when we reduce ourselves to just kind of these animalistic acts and we look at other people just as objects to fulfill specific fantasies, which is what porn does. It's very consumeristic uh, driven is like, you know, find what your turn on is and then, and then find someone who's on demand to, to do that, that act or that fetish or whatever on demand for you. And it's, it's completely one-sided. There's no place for, for love and connection and all the things that God intended sex to be. And it does, it it wires up, it, it starts to rewire your brain to have a, mm-hmm. a very unhealthy and toxic view of, of yourself, of other people and of, of sex itself. And so um, even after you break free from porn, which thankfully I did years ago, there's still a process of, of the detox of letting your mind be renewed and just allowing God to bring healing to, to the mindsets that you created through porn. And and that's that's a process too, and you you've got to you know give yourself grace and give your partner grace and and talk about it. Um, but yeah, if you're into porn right now, um, just you know know you're not alone. There's a lot of people struggling, but you, you need to get help. You need to get mm-hmm. free from it. It's one of the worst things you can do to uh, to yourself, and also in preparation for a healthy sex life someday with your spouse. Porn will sabotage that, and so. Um, that doesn't mean that if that's part of your story that that you're doomed. That was part of my story. You know, I had a, I had a struggle with porn for a long time, um, and a lot of people listening right now are struggling with it and maybe thinking that this is a compromise. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go have sex with somebody, but but this is just gonna meet that physical need until I can have the real thing, so to speak. 
but it's it's setting yourself up and setting your future spouse up for a lot of heartache um, by turning to pornography to um, to meet that need. And so, right, just do whatever you can to break free. There there are softwares out there. There are, there are all kinds of ways to get free from it and stay free. Accountability measures and all that. And we talk a lot about that on our podcast too. Um, but you got to commit to it, and you got to you got to see it as 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 an unhealthy, it's it's essentially a drug addiction. You know, it, it does yeah. the same things in your brain that that many drug addictions will do. And you got to find sobriety from it and um and do the work to get there. It's it is worth the effort to break free from it. Yeah. It is. And I want to say too, JJ, you were referencing like if someone's married and you know they their their spouse had a porn addiction, came out of it, you know, you were saying how some women, some wives feel like, well, I need to just be on call because if not, he's going to fall back into it. And we do hear right. from a lot of wives who have that, right. that thought, you know, mm-hmm. and I would say that that is not healthy. And some, some husbands perpetuate that some husbands say, yeah, you need to be on call for me. Cause I'm doing this for you. I'm, I'm getting this off, you know, I'm giving this up so that, you know, we can have a better sex life, but that really is just still, you're still kind of seeing, you know, again, it, it's kind of reducing your spouse if they're just on call for you. And so I would definitely say that's not healthy. Yeah. And I love how you phrased that and framed it because quite simply, it, it reduces both parties, right? It reduces the wife to a sex object and it reduces the man to not a man, just a animalistic guy who has a desire that he can't help but scratch. And men are so much more than that. And women are so much more than that. And the funniest thing about porn and what it teaches and what culture portrays is the self-gratifying desire. Mm. Whereas, as you guys know, healthy sex and marriage cannot be more of the opposite. Mm. It could not be more fulfilling and enriching when it's completely focused on the other person. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on one more thing because... We were saying like for the woman who basically does that saying, I need to have sex with my husband because he's given up porn or he's giving up porn and I have to do this so that he doesn't look at porn already right there. The negative and like bad part about that. And and also I'll say this, this ties into singleness because if your guy is trying to give up pornography and you're dating or something, or you know, he recently gave it up and then you started dating him, you can feel a temptation of like, oh, should I connect with him more sexually? Because it will help him to not go back to that thing. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that from friends, from different people I know that's definitely, and that was a part of my story in the past as well. And so, but already the problem with that too, is that you're the posture in which you're approaching that is one out of fear. So I'm entering this sexual encounter and doing this out of fear right? and out of, uh, I need to do this, which is not what God has designed for us in sex. Like your posture, he wants it to be a beautiful, glorifying experience of freedom and glory to God and connection and, and all these other, other things. But fear is not, uh, should not be an element in the equation. So if you're doing, if you're finding yourself, oh, I need to do this because then it will help him to not look at porn. You're already, it's a, it's a fear-based posture, which also is completely unhealthy. Uh, on this note, I would love to talk also about how, and you already touched on it, Dave, but a little bit more, I think it's really interesting, especially for us now being married. But another thing that comes up a lot by culture, by porn, all these standards is 
and even rom-coms, okay? And I love a good rom-com, but like when I watch it now, I'm like, this is hysterical because they portray sex as like this easy, frequent, amazing thing that just happens and then you suddenly are cuddling in bed after and everything is perfect and it's like, this is not how it happens. Like It's like so weird and ridiculous, but you see these things over and over and over again and you're like, wow, it, it's going to be so sexy and passionate and easy and I'm going to fall asleep perfectly afterwards. And, and it doesn't show at all the environment that needs to be created for sex. It doesn't show anything that happens during the day that leads you up to feeling like you want to be connected to do that. It, all of those things. So I would love to hear from you guys if you've experienced this with the people you work with. Like sex is, it's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be frequent. Like, what are we doing? This, I, I, I didn't think it would be this way. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I think it's all the time. And I love a good rom-com too, but it is totally unrealistic. I mean, I think that that is a, if you have one moment where it's the spontaneity and rom-coms, I mean, that, that's, it's few and far between in real life. You know, we have jobs, we have kids, pets, and different things vying for our attention. And like you said, you know, Kate, like if you've had a bad exchange earlier in the day, you're not going to be as inclined to want to just go for it at night. You got to work through those things. Right. Yes. And it's so important, you know, how we talk to each other and, uh, and getting our minds, I mean, you know, Dave always says our mind is the biggest sex or organ and, and the most influential sex organ that we have because it it shapes how we view ourselves, how we view our spouse, how we view sex. And um, so it's important that our mind is in the right space. But um, yeah, I think it's it's really important that we kind of kind of push that aside, you know, the rom-com stuff, because in real life, I think that you need to put sex on the calendar. I mean, I think it's important to prioritize sex to the point where we put all these other things on the calendar, when we're going to work out, when we're going to go to work, when we're going to go to that conference, you know, whatever it is, we, we put it on the calendar to make it a priority. And I think a lot of couples when they're, you know, maybe a few years into marriage and they feel like sex isn't happening as frequently as they like, and they're kind of, you know, it's the same old, same old thing. I would, I, we always encourage them, put it on the calendar. And they look at us like we're crazy. And we're like, well, you put other stuff on the calendar. Why would you not say, here's the minimum that we want for sex. And if we do more than that, awesome. Like we can still be spontaneous if we want to be, if we can be, but let's like prioritize it to the point of putting on the calendar. Right, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. Be, you gotta be that specific sometimes, especially like if you're you, like with us with kids and life is happening fast, everything important gets on the calendar somewhere. So, yeah. so yeah, don't be afraid to put it there, but also be open to the spontaneity too like it's like well it's not tuesday so we can't do it so yeah, like, like no, be, open. <laughs> be open every day for what might happen yeah and yeah that's actually so fun and funny that you say that because i completely agree and literally yesterday in the morning i was like okay can i send an appointment with you later <laughs> because i want to have sex can we have sex later today because we had other things happen this weekend and just i was like i would love to and jade was like Oh, and so then it was like getting later in the day and I text him. I'm like, I thought we had a date tonight, <laughs> you know, like a date for this. And he was like, well, we still do. But like making sure you prioritize it. And it's funny because we're getting into that place where we're like, oh, we want to make sure this is a priority because it isn't always just like easy and frequent and all those things. And even on our honeymoon, we've talked about this in a previous episode we had to like work through the ideas of what that would be on our honeymoon or what it would be after and how many times a day we'd be doing it and like um just 
how easy it would be all the time. And it isn't always that way, right, honey? I mean, and we talked about this in our episode. You guys will laugh, but you know, I had this expectation right after being a virgin that the honeymoon would be three times a day. You know, I would just be dragging her back to bed and we would just be camping out in the room. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Not because she didn't want it, but because I like had my fill and I was good. Like I was happy with once a day, you know, or whatever it was. Um, and multiple times a day was actually, it was hard for me. Um, so it's so funny to have that loose expectation, especially, you know, before marriage, it's kind of like going to a golf course and be like, I'm going to shoot, you know, a 72 today. And it's like, I would like that, but all of a sudden, you know, I'm going out of bounds in the first tee box and it's not looking like it's going to happen. Uh, and that made me question. We talked about this. Like, I was like, what is something like, <laughs> well, I thought we were going to be able to do this all the time. And that wasn't fair for me to like say and put on him. But again, expectations of like, oh, especially on the honeymoon, JJ's waited. This is going to be awesome. We're going to have, I mean, I've waited too, but meaning like, like we, it's just going to every day, multiple times a day. <laughs> and it didn't, it was amazing. We did have an amazing honeymoon, but it was, we still had to work through some things and expectations because it wasn't exactly that way. <laughs> and so we love to, to like, to, to say that and share that with people to be like, Hey, these, this is about realistic and healthy expectations as much as possible and holding a posture of surrender. I feel like in the process, because like we all said, this is a journey. And, you know, as much as possible, getting out the expectations, you don't know if you're going to be walking into it and have vaginismus and then it's going to be really painful and a journey. You don't really know what's going to happen. And so um, really holding it in a posture of surrender. I have a question for you guys. So we took a pre-marital sex course. (laughs) This is off script. I don't um, know what he's going to ask. I her. know. Well, <laughs> and it's good. Well, and I'd say, yeah, exactly. 80 to 90% of it was great and really informatory, especially for me, because I didn't have any formal sexual education in high school or college or anything. And I didn't really feel like it was, I was supposed to just go research as a single man. Like I just didn't feel like that was necessary in any way. So they gave a great example though. Um, that really I found a little controversial for me because it kind of simplified men and women, but they basically equated sex to a cupcake analogy. And you guys might've heard it. Uh, they say you spend a, a Saturday together, you go to the farmer's market in the morning, you get donuts, you go do a little shopping. Uh, you Sounds amazing. have a nice steak dinner that night <laughs> with some great conversation and really, and then at the end of the night, you look at each other, you lock eyes and you make sweet love and have wonderful sex. And they say in this example for the woman, the cupcake, the majority of the delight of that day was the emotional connectedness, the unity, the activities together. And the little cherry on top of the cupcake was the sex. And then they said for the man, really the sex at the end of the day was the entire cupcake together. And then the cherry on top was the emotional unity and the activities together. Now we heard that and we laughed and and then I thought about it. I was like, man, that really feels a little too simplistic, especially for like 
the man. Uh, is that something that you guys would say is an analogy that you agree with or kind of oversimplifies it or reduce men or, you know, how would you guys respond to that analogy? Well, I would say the the grain of truth in it is that typically not not always, but in about you know about eighty percent of marriages, the husband does have a higher sex drive, a higher need for for frequency. And when you look at the lists of biggest needs for men versus biggest needs for women, um, typically uh, sex is is a top two need for most men, and it's usually not in the top five for most women. Now, with that being said, um, like we've talked about all along, like sex is made for both. Sex mm-hmm. is a gift for both. And men have a whole lot of needs and desires of their wife that 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 are not sex. I mean, mm-hmm. they they desire companionship, friendship, laughter, connection, um, all all of those things. I mean, and and it's um it's it's wrong to to feel like a man doesn't want need those oh, things because yeah. those needs are very very powerful and women have need and desire and drive for sex yeah. too like we talked about this whole time and to and to take away you know the sexual aspect of their their needs is so i think like it, it's kind of more of like a a funny the cupcake thing is is more of like a funny joke because funny joke is like an exagger a largely exaggerated truth yeah. but um in terms of being like realistic no i don't think I don't think it's accurate at all. Um, I think, I think men and women both love cupcakes. Well, and I want to say this. Um, we, yeah, we we both love cupcakes and cherries on top, right? And we, you know, that that's the goal. We want to have it all, right? We want the cupcake and the cherry on top. And I, I, I just think that we've heard, you know, this is where it gets dangerous with that whole cupcake analogy is if we truly understand, if we really believe that cupcake analogy is just how it is for most people and how we should approach sex, then we run the danger of this. Like there's, there's people who write us who say that like, especially wives, they say, when my husband knows that we're going to have sex all throughout the day, he'll be nice to me. But if he knows that we may not have sex, he won't be as nice Mm, to me through the day because he's like, I'm not even getting the cupcake. Like I'm not, you know, and, and so that's wrong. Like we can't approach sex and companionship and life like that. And, uh, and base how we treat our spouse on whether or not we're having sex. And so I, I think that, again, I think that every spouse is a little different. I think that the libido, you know, is going to be different for each person, whether they're a, a man or a woman. And I think the biggest thing we can do, you know, for the singles listening is just, you know, realize that sex is such a gift for both the husband and the wife and yeah. that that, you know, of course we need to temper our expectations, but that it is something to, to be enjoyed for both. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's something that was interesting on our honeymoon. Cause we heard that we took the course. We've never told people what it is. They all want to know. I'm like, ah, I'd only give recommendations <laughs> on things that I like really, really, really support. It wasn't bad, but anyway, so we took it like a week before we got married and I was like, that's interesting. But what was really interesting is on our honeymoon, it was definitely proof that it wasn't necessarily fully true for JJ because like he felt so fulfilled by our connection, our emotional connection, all these other things, which in the, in the uh, depiction of that, the woman craves that the most. And then she craves sex after, after she gets all those things. But what it was like for JJ was that he was so fulfilled by that emotional connection and by just so so much joy and love that 
he was like, I'm good. Like, I still want to have sex, but I don't need to do that. That's I already feel like the cupcake has and with the cherry on top is already here. And I was I loved that we experienced that because I was like, it kind of made it at least for us that and I've noticed like if if I'm not nice to JJ that day or if I'm like cutting him down or we've, you know, just whatever, I've been shorter with him like He's not as apt. He's not just like, ooh, yeah, let's have sex. He's like, no, I'm impacted by that and I don't feel as connected to you. And I'm not, I don't really, I don't want to right now. <laughs> right, Eddie? Kate's like, what? I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, okay. Which was, is good. It's good that like, I, it also makes me pay attention of like, oh, okay. Like he doesn't just want it at all hours of the day. That's kind of a stereotype. I feel like we think of guys it's important for him to feel that emotional connection and um, respect from me and different things. It's good. I think Dave, Dave was smiling at me like brother to brother, you know, right there. Uh, <laughs> well, and I love that too, because I think when you guys hit it, every cupcake is different for every person, mm -hmm. right? And at least for me personally, you know, my cupcake was great with or without sex, right? The emotional unity and spiritual unity was better than anything I could ask for. And the sex was just a bonus on top. Um, so, so good. You guys have seen lots of singles. Is there one more question that you wanted to ask? I feel like we covered all of our myths, unless there's something that you guys have, like, especially in your pocket where you're like, we need to talk about yes. this. Um, because we covered a lot and you guys are phenomenal. Oh, you guys are. Well, I think that that uh, a, a new collective name for the two of you, I, I want to start referring to the two of you together as KJ. <laughs> I think I think it could catch on, you know, oh, it's, you know, like it's like this celebrity couple names, celebrity you know, you're KJ, it's the, you know, so there we go. It's the KJ. Anyway. I like KJ. <laughs> That's hilarious because at our conference, we had um, a karaoke at a singles party we threw and we had a karaoke man come and his name was the KJ because the karaoke jockey. So now all I can think about is he's the, he's the KJ. I didn't know they had that name. But that was perfect. Yeah, you guys are the real yeah, KJ. Yeah, you're the real thing. <laughs> oh, we appreciate it. Well, Dave and Ashley, this has been phenomenal. You guys are so incredible. Thank you for sharing so much wisdom with our singles. Thank you for helping them to debunk so many myths and just really, I hope this has been challenging for the singles and, and also starts a journey of, you know, rewiring their brains on what really could potentially be the reality in marriage in a healthy, beautiful way of what sex should look like. And so we're just so, so grateful for you guys. We really are. And I think what I would just call out is when you guys speak, there's so much hope for every single person listening, yeah. right? Regardless of background, you guys do such a wonderful job at exuding hope. Thank wow. you. That means so That's much. And, and we feel the same from, from you too. Yes. What you're doing is is a gift to the world mm -hmm. and God's going to just keep blessing it. And we're just, uh, we're just honored to be on this, this journey with you guys. And we're cheering you on from Georgia because, uh, <laughs> yeah, Kate, God's got big plans for KJ. That's <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. We love it. Well, thank you guys so much. If you guys are single, just bookmark it mentally in your head. XO marriage. 
Dave and Ashley Willis, the, the Naked, Naked Marriage, Marriage Podcast. Right. And they're an amazing resource. We have a lot of people that, you know, get to know each other. They get engaged, they get married. And so once they kind we of graduate, we pass them to, along to you guys. To you guys. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Give all the boys a big hug from us and Chi Chi a big <laughs> kiss, which is their dog. <laughs> I was like, what? All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate Warman. It is a part of the Converge podcast network. Our incredible editor is the one and only Scott Caro. Our theme music was developed by the amazing Christian Ledoux. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've never written us a review or ranked us on iTunes, we'd encourage you to do so because it helps us so much to get this podcast into more people's ears. We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesday. So we'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.